0: We're back as the Grand Old Podcast for the final time in season 2018-2019 I'm Hamish Carton, John McGinley and Paul Fisher all join me as well It's going to be another patch show guys because we've got the biggest thing to sort out Nothing yeah. else has mattered so far this season but it all comes down to the big grand award of the, the grand awards, the 2019 awards We'll be talking and coming to a consensus as a podcast about the Celtic player of the season for twenty eighteen,
1: twenty nineteen, it's a big task on our hands, John. It is. It's also a big list of players. I've got a few beers here, so settle in. Then, you know, <laughs> go for a long drive if you're in your car, because this could be this could be a, a mammoth session. I still don't know who my player of the season is, so I'm excited to go on the journey and find out who it will be. Yeah, it will be interesting to to go on the journey, Paul.
0: Um, I know you probably have a a rough idea who you're going to, you know, support and try and put the case across for for who's going to win it, but. It could be probably three or four men.
2: Yeah, there's a few contenders here. There's no, I know one or two kind of swept the board in terms of the bigger words that were given out before the end of the season, may I add. So there's always chops and changes, but I am am not 100%. I am willing to be swayed if the arguments are strong enough.
0: How do you want to do this, guys? Do you want to just pick a name at random, talk about it, sprinkle a little bit of information
1: in? Go straight for the jugular and go for one of the big contenders. We should clarify that the to to make onto this list you had to have made one appearance for Celtic this season, and the players who went who went, included in the top three for Young Player of the Season, are, are not here either. So so goodbye, Oli Burke,
0: Musa Dembele, yeah, Karamoko yeah. Dembele, etc. Et but we et should go
1: for one of the big hitters that might win it here, and I'm well, thinking immediately if, of of Jack Henry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if it was a, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, if it was a if it's an award for looks, Jack Henry would probably be up there, oh, but not yeah. in footballing ability. Not in football. Anymore. If it was a golf award, golf Jack would be up there. Yeah, or a award.
1: suntanning award. Yeah. Or an Instagram story award. Slag him off. I know you want to, John. Well, he's just not a very good player. I just think we should just delete him off the list before, we, uh, to save his blushes further. I think, I can't even remember back to the day one, but I think pretty sure it was slated on during worst player of the season. So... Maybe that's enough for Jack Hendry. I feel a little bit sorry for him. I think he was thrown in the deep end by Brendan Rodgers. I think he was a poor replacement for Alex Vyachenko. I feel like Brendan Rodgers thought he could develop him into a player and I don't think he's ever going to be that player. I hope he has a career somewhere that isn't in a team that plays out from the back because I feel like that's his biggest problem. (laughs) And um, the sooner we say goodbye to him, really, is probably for the better. What is
0: his level going to be, do you reckon, Paul for the rest of the of his career is it going to be you know Scottish Premiership level is he going to go down south could he be one of these players who actually turns out
2: to be not bad when he leaves us or is he just going to be hopeless I don't think he's he's still young he's, I don't I don't think he's shown anything that is has made me think well, he's like like a guy I think probably the best example to use recently was team Puke and. I think Pookie had a wee a wee bit about him when he was at Celtic. He just didn't fit in the yeah. style. This guy doesn't fit in the style but he doesn't have anything about him either. He will probably go around the kinda the, the merry go round of different teams in the lower premiership kinda high championship in Scotland. They might go down to England League One or League Two. He's not any any better than that. I'm sure he'll have a fine career in terms of getting games for for poorer sides, but he's not he's not at Celtic's level.
1: Just think what someone like Craig Levine could do with him though. You could just get a big <laughs> boy in there and he could just head 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 away balls coming into the box for, for his life. So maybe he'll end up at a top six club. I don't think he's, I just don't think he's sell to class. I, I mean, I, I thought he was decent while he was at Dundee, wasn't he? And Dundee fans seemed to rate him. I don't think they thought... Wasn't he there for long though, no, wasn't he? No, was he? there for no. six months? So we will just was, going was, to the, the wait and see. Play,
2: a, a good um, player in a right really bad bunch though.
1: It'd be some story if Neil Lennon turned his career around, I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah, 11 starts for Celtic this season. Incredibly, he started all six of our Champions League qualifiers. I mean, you're kind of looking and wondering, why did we not qualify? And I don't want to put it solely... At Jack Hendry's door, but it doesn't help when you're going around with players like that who are starting every single qualifier and then featuring five times for the rest of the season. It, It just seems totally daft. And I think one of those other games he featured in was a Europa League match. So it just seemed one of the many things that seemed, you know, in retrospect, seemed so off kilter about the Brendan Rodgers time was just how many bizarre choices he made this season, not last season, but this season he made with team selection and folk like Henry. I know we didn't have too many options at the back for these games, but that's something we've really got to avoid this year. Uh, I mean I, I don't think for a minute Jack Henry's gonna be near the starting lineup but
1: Did he not you s- know we could we could do without a player like him or Ralphson or something like that starting a vital European game. Pretty sure he started away to Salzburg as well, which is just <sighs> baffling. I know we had our injury problems this season so we shouldn't you know, criticised too much But, you know A player like Jack Henry Is never going to deal with a team Like Salzburg away from home and On any occasion I'd rather change the formation Than play a player like Henry I was just about to score him off the list But
0: one of you, two kind men Has, has already yes. done it So fair play uh, Paul, who do you want to select next?
2: Um, I think we'll give a, a wee honourable mention To Mikael Lustig I think he's been He's been goaded and he's been lambasted for having a, a poor season, being past it, not having the legs, all that kind of stuff. And since Neil Lennon's came back in, he's, he's been he's been great. He's um, he's worked hard. Great is an overstatement. Uh, no uh, I, th- I think I uh, think well, I think you take that header alone, and you can say it's been one that he's been wonderful. Um, <laughs> he's he's um, he's played a lot of games and. Kind of 44 appearances Every season for the last maybe 4 or 5 years And he's been a constant He's been a mainstay And he's, he's, his level has decreased And he's not as good as he was probably Invincible season and just before that But he's still been Decent this season And I think he deserves a well done But he's not going to get anywhere near the top 3 He's
0: 44 appearances As I say, 2 goals That one against Aberdeen that you mentioned And also against Kilmarnock earlier on in the season I'll ask you guys a question And I'll Mm -hmm. qualify it with my statement first Would you keep him around next year? I would For one simple reason Is the fact that he's got A history of winning I think he's won 13 or 14 trophies In his time at Celtic Mm And he's one of the players Along with Forrest And Brown That I think would be really important Next year And would be pretty you know, despondent if, if I saw him as a first choice right back going into the season mm. But I would certainly keep him around for, you know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 games next year Is, is that experience of getting over the line in trophies, I think that could be invaluable going for 9 and 10 I
1: mean, the, it was interesting to hear that Neil Lennon wants him to stay And he claimed recently that he's spoken to Michael Lustig about staying But that the club haven't spoken with his representatives yet now, I believe Lustig has offers from Sweden to return to Sweden. so Yeah, to, to be one of the most highly played players yeah, ever in Swedish history, yeah. apparently. So, what I would say to it is that I would welcome him on a year's contract. I wouldn't sign him up for you know, 10 in a row or anything like that. With mm-hmm. the caveat that he's told by Lennon that he's not going to be a first-choice player. If he wants to stay at Celtic and, and play a backup or relief role to whoever was signed this summer... Then I'm more unhappy to have him around the squad. If he's happy to do yeah. that, if he would rather return to Sweden and be a main man over there than do that, then that's fair play to him. He's he has nothing to prove at Celtic, so it's really up to him and what Neil Lennon sees from Neil Lennon said he still had a year or two left. I don't think that Wista can be a reliable starter for us for another year, never mind two years. So, if Lennon's talking in that context, then he's talking out his whole really. So, um. I'm a bit concerned by the chatter coming from Neil Lennon regarding Lustig, but would I keep him as backup for another year? Yeah, absolutely. For the reasons you mentioned and the fact that logistically, the the, the chances of us signing two quality right-backs is quite slim, to say the least, over the next few months. Yeah, we're not blessed in those areas at the moment.
0: I think we've got three full-backs on our books at the moment, and that's including Johnny Hayes, so there really isn't much there. Uh, another full-back who has departed after a similar kind of spell to... To uh, lose to Had maybe eight years Split over two separate spells Was Emilio <laughs> Izaguiri He's uh, left the club Were you guys surprised Disappointed To see that he didn't really receive Any sort of send off I mean I, I thought the, the Trophy match against Hearts uh, or, or On trophy day Would have been the ideal chance to play him And Lennon plays Johnny Hayes in there instead He's had about five goodbyes already Paul
1: What do you, know? <laughs> what <laughs> do
2: you think Paul I, I think so Um he he's not played that many games has he? he's he we signed back backup. It was a weird signing to get him back, and um, like at the time we we were kind of a bit kind of dumbfounded by it. And I I can't even remember him playing like any more than two or three games this season. he's he's unforgettable. Yeah, Nineteen appearances. There you go. Gee, that's that's surprising. I think um, he's he's been. Not good. <laughs> he's, he's he's not anywhere near the level he was when he when he had that season before the leg break. He's he's a decent player, and a, a good guy, and all that kind of stuff. But not going to lose sleep over the fact that he's left again.
0: I think it just highlights the need for a good replace, not a replacement, sorry, a good backup to Kieran Tierney. Uh, And I think there's certainly better ones out there than Emilio Izaguiri. And I don't think we should rely on Johnny Hayes as a a left-back replacement for Tierney either. I'd like to see his go out this summer. And I appreciate it's like one of those difficult ones. It's like when you're trying to sign a number two goalkeeper who who knows they're probably not going to play too much because Tierney would play the majority of our games. But I think it would make sense to have someone who could take the strain off Tierney uh, next season and could also, you know, possibly in the future step into Tierney's shoes if and when he does move on. Because... I think there's a lot of chat about Tierney and, you know, he'll be a Celtic player for life. I think a player that good in these these kind of ages will, will move on. Uh, I'd like to think he'd maybe stay for 10 in a row, but I think beyond that, Keenan Tierney's just too good to, to stay with Celtic for his whole career. So I'd like to see us start looking at some sort of player. I've mentioned the guy Greg Taylor at Kilmarnock. I think he'd be an ideal choice if he wanted to come and play second fiddle uh, at the start. For, for Tierney, but it's something I like to see his press on with but there's no doubt in Azagiri shadow of the player he was in his first season and I suppose he never really reached those heights of his first season when he was you know player of the year and won all the awards and that kind of stuff and he was really good at left back but he just has turned into a player that you he, you groan when you see him on the on the team sheet and he should really have left Celtic in my opinion probably at the end of Ronnie Dylan's time. That was probably the time to go when Tierney was coming through. But
1: we, um, That's just one of those things We only lost two games that Izagiri started this season One of them was against Hibernian When we lost 2-0 at Easter Road in December And the other was against Valencia Away from home, he started that game So he, he, he performed decently as backup I'm looking at some of the games that he started here And um, there's a few 2-0 victories So he played his role in play, uh, keeping clean sheets As backup for and Tierney like you say, I mean, this time at Celtic's done. So farewell and goodbye. I I do have fond memories of Izaguirre at Celtic, and what's what what was your what's your one memory? My one memory is you know the obvious one where he was yeah. kind of bombing down the left flank to square for Hooper to score against Rangers in the three nil game. That is the when you when someone says Izaguirre to me, that's immediately what I picture. So for that alone, and for the last however many years of service, then. We've got a we've got a good shift out of them, I would say. For the avoidance of doubt, because I'm taking this whole thing very
0: seriously, uh, we're not or we're ruling out as Lustig, and Henry. Good. From the
1: avoidance. I'm glad someone's taken it seriously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> someone has to John. Right, will I uh, chuck someone into the uh, the melting pot. Hmm, who will I go for? I'm trying to pick one that's kinda not right at the top of our list, but maybe deserves an honourable mention. Um I suppose we've already kind of touched on Philip um, Benkovic in our young kind of player of the year, so it's probably not worth going into too in depth. He did have a a decent enough spell. He was a big player for us um, in the first half of the season when he first came to the club. If you look at just some of the, some of the stats, taking kind of his time at the club into account, he started 24 games. Scored twice against Dundee and Hearts, both at home. We won both of those matches. I thought he was a decent enough player who came in and really steadied that back line at a time when everything seemed to be going awry at the club. You know, there was all the chat over uh, Rogers' future, the John McGinn saga, Boyata stuff was going on when Benkovic first came into the team. And for me, he was he was instrumental in us winning that first trophy of the season, the Betfred Cup. And that's when he was really at his height for Celtic. We picked up a Innocuous injury in one of the games, I think in January or maybe it was late December, and he he wasn't really seen too much after that. It was just you know bit part player at that point. And I think Neil Lennon made the choice at the end of the season to go with a partnership that would be at the club after the summer. Um, but I've I've got fond memories of Benkovic I thought he was a, a pretty good player for us. As I said in in the previous podcast of our awards, uh, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. I think he reads the game well. Yeah. I think he's really big, athletic, strong. And I'll say it again. I think he's the best centre back we've had since Virgil Van Dijk But you may disagree with that, Paul.
2: Oh, Effie Ambrose, of course. You know, <laughs> um, no, You Big mean Benkovic. that as
1: well? That's not even a joke.
2: <laughs> Big Benkovic has been really good. Um, and you forget how young he is because he, he looks very mature as a player, and he he has got control over the central defensive area that a lot of, a lot of central defenders don't seem to have until kind of much later in their careers. Uh, you, you look at how how raw Iyer was, and then how he kind of came to me, sure. I think Sumanovic as well, uh, they've both been helped by Benkovic. And I think the three of them, alongside Boyata, are, are, are kind of decent, decent players. And they've all kind of helped each other's progression and, and growth. But I think he's the out the the four of them, he's the standout, he's the one that will probably go furthest in terms mm. of, of a career outside of Celtic.
1: My regret when it comes to Benkovic is that we didn't get to him before Leicester did. I think, I'm sure he yeah. was linked in transfer windows before he made the switch he to was. Leicester. Obviously he wanted to make the career move of immediately going to the English Premier League when the opportunity arose, and he did move for a fee north of £10 million. But I just feel like maybe we could have got that deal done You know, in prior seasons. Maybe it just wasn't the right timing for us in terms of our transfer cycle. I mean, it's only recently that we paid for a player over £5 million so it was maybe never going to you know, it was never going to be a goer because uh, Dynamo Zagre were always going to be looking for a few over that, that margin but it's a little bit of a regret, could we have could we've got him before he went to Leicester and then have two seasons out of him and then make the big profit that we did like with Virgil van Dyke? you know, that's going to be one of those things but wishing well for the future wouldn't rule him coming back to Celtic next season at all, I think that could be something that happens and I would welcome him back so we'll see how it goes over the summer. Do you think Lennon fancies him though because he barely played them? I think it was just for the reason you said there Hamish I think he wanted to go with a partnership and defenders that he knows, he knows are going to be here during the European qualifiers I think if we get Benkovic again it's not going to be until August because I think Brendan Rodgers will want to have a good look at him in pre-season, discuss his future and yeah. and all that. But Rodgers is... All, I know Rodgers is a lion, snake, rat, bastard, but he's um, said on a couple of occasions that he'd be, he'd be happy for Benkovic to go back to, to Celtic if he does go back out on loan again. So And you trust him after all this? I don't trust him, but I just think... Um, I just think it's interesting And also Rodgers can't stop talking about Celtic right now So it's like if he has Benkovic on loan Then he has the opportunity to talk about Celtic five more times across the next season <laughs> do, do you think
0: there's any part of Rodgers Will try and give us Benkovic on loan again To try and improve his image among the Celtic support It won't work, I know that But do you think there's any no. part of him would think look, Maybe they'll look at me a little bit more favourably If I'm seen to be giving them a player and that kind of thing Don't think I he don't has think, a self-awareness yeah. for
2: that Aye, he doesn't care about that, now.
0: Okay, anyone with any objections to me scoring Benkovic's name off the list, speak now. Nope. All good. Go for it. Good stuff. Right, big hitter. Kind of big hitter. Scott Bain. Who wants to who wants mm. to take him on? I'll I'll give you some stats first. How okay. about that? Scott Bain, he's obviously Celtic's number one now. Didn't start the the season like that. He started all of Celtic's twenty five matches in twenty nineteen, conceding just ten goals, which is you know, when you take in the Valencia games and the, the old firm defeat at Ibrox, that's a really, really good start. Not sure how many clean sheets, but certainly probably 15, 16 out of the 25 games. Really, really good. Um, he's had 31 starts in total for Celtic this year. I've got another stat on Scott Bain. Um, in fact, do you want to do it now? Because I've got a, a stat between Scott Bain and Craig Gordon, but we can bring both keepers yeah. into the discussion yeah, if you want right now. So, Bain has had 31 appearances all start, safe uh, this season for Celtic. Craig Gordon had one more with 32. Now, how do you think their records compared in terms of goals conceded? Do you get any rough guesses?
1: I think Gordon's probably conceded at least 20. Any advance in 20, Paul? I,
2: I don't think it's as, as high as 20. Um... This is all the matches, European ones, right. them as well. No, obviously, is it. Probably pretty similar.
0: Oh, you couldn't be more wrong. Craig Gordon, thirty-two appearances, twenty-seven goals conceded. Jeez,
2: oh, Scott
0: hell. Bain, thirty-one appearances, eleven conceded. Well, that's your that's, number one there.
1: That tells you a story. I mean, it might also tell a story that, especially when Lennon came in, we've we've been, you know, passing it around less between the keeper and defenders. So maybe that's got something to do with the way we're more defensively solid. Also, and you're not including a lot of the European matches, which is a little bit unfair on Craig Gordon. But I take your point. I think it's not a complete coincidence that the two records are so um, completely far apart. And I think that Bain has earned his spot as number one. I think in terms of player of the season, and I'm pretty sure Paul would agree with this, the fact that he's only really played half a season is a big determining factor here. Would you say, Paul? Or would yeah you, Would you include him In a conversation I mean we don't need To get I, rid I of him now I think you've got to Include him I really do I think we he's got to Go on to the next stage Yeah we don't need To get rid of him now I mean he might be In a top ten of sorts But what what do you think Paul in terms of The half season thing
2: Yeah I, th- I think I think you're probably Right he's he probably Not a winner um, But he does deserve To be mentioned And he doesn't deserve To be kind of Booted out just now He's a very solid season that run of games he had kind of um, I know he was obviously intermittent when he was starting league cup games but then mm-hmm. I think it was like seven games in a row when he started the year to kind of end of April uh, sorry the start of the year to the middle of February where he was all clean sheets in a row and the only games he's lost it was you said that it was like Valencia games and Rangers like three games lost That's out the of- six goals straight away six goals but if you take that's that though that's the after that you've won or drawn every other game it's it's quite a remarkable record he's got and I don't think him being in goals is, is really is a shock to see that, that that's the games we've won and we've not conceded goals because he's he's been so solid and I'll put my hands up and say that I did not expect him to be the number one goalkeeper and I did, never expected him to be Getting runs in the, the team like this without without maybe somebody getting an injury, so he's pro, he's proven me wrong massively. Um, a great great asset and a, a really good kind of should signing. Goalkeepers are hard to come by. Well, it's, and, it's
1: the, the the nature of the signing was strange as well because you remember it was kind of because he fell out with Neil McCann and then there was some sort of deal with Hibbs. The mm-hmm. and he arrived at Celtic Park in a Hibbs tracksuit, and it was sure. all very odd, it was all very strange. The singing, but it seems to be one, like you say, that could pay off for us in the future. I think, well, then I, I'm happy to keep Scott Bain for now, and maybe we'll say we we'll kick Craig Gordon out now.
0: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's quite ironic because he spent a lot of time kicking the ball out of the park, so we <laughs> kick Craig Gordon away. So, well done, Scott Bain, you've progressed to judges houses or whatever they call the next stage (laughs) Um, I'm going to go and Chuck Johnny Hayes uh, we'll chat about him for a little bit 11 starts 5 of them came under Neil Lennon Uh, bit of a a favourite for Neil Lennon started the the 2 games at Hamden started the 2 games against Rangers as well Uh, didn't score all season which you'll probably count against he only ever scored 1 goal for Celtic in 2 seasons which isn't a particularly great record Paul
2: it's not and but i think for this season especially you have to look at where he's been playing he's not been playing in a kind of forward attacking position like he was kind of recognised for at aberdeen he's he's been the the go to man when somebody's been injured or a, a position is needing filled and he needs to slot in somewhere he's he's been decent all season he's not really i can't think of a really bad mistake or error that he's made where he's put a, a real foot wrong and he's been reliable. I think that's he's Mr. Reliable when you need him to be. He's not going to win this award. He's only played, he's played less than half of the games. So, he's he's been in and out. But I think Neil Lennon does like him. And although he's not the most technically gifted player or anything near that, he's still just about Celtic level and good to have around. Is is a kind of a good. Um, <sighs> I don't know much he's reliable again, but he, he, he can just slot in anybody he, he, he wants to. You
1: know, every every player has his role in a squad. You know, not every player can be a standout megastar. You know, so it's good. What's up. Marvin Comper's role? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I don't know. Maybe he likes bacon. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but the fact you have Hayes around who are, are not going to be starting every week and are happy with their place in the squad, you don't want unhappy players either. And Hayes probably feels like he's won a competition to play for Celtic. I know that sounds pretty harsh, but just the fact that he's playing for Celtic, you know, he's well into his 30s now, and he's had a long career playing for pretty mid-tier clubs or, or lower-tier clubs, and he's arrived at Celtic, a massive club, and he'll be happy to be a Lennox Town every day. He'll be happy to play, you know, a dozen games a season, and I'm happy to have him here as long as he's happy with that because, like I say, you can't... Not every player can be Mister Dembele or Kieran Tierney, you know? Is there, is there a worry if going into next year Johnny Hayes
0: is starting big games though? Because it's all oh, yeah. you know, fine and well this year when he's been slotting in and there's not been too many options but if Johnny Hayes is your starter then probably similar to Lustig you're a bit concerned.
1: Well I'd feel less exposed with Hayes in the team but at the same time yeah if it's a really big game you don't really it's not ideal for him to be starting but hopefully we sign you know, better players and you know injuries take their toll so I'm sure he'll get some amount of games even if, you know, we do sign another left back or another left winger. And you can play in that relief role, play against lesser teams, play in the League Cup, play in, you know, yeah. a lower division team in the in the Scottish Cup. You know, there's there's places to be had for players like this and we shouldn't dismiss them so easily just because they're less fashionable or, you know, they don't really light up every time they're on the pitch. I think we kinda of touched on that point you just made in our last
0: podcast. Would you be open to seeing that, Paul, next year, you know, the odd lower match, you know, Hamilton at home, um, who else is down there, Livingston at home, teams like that, Ross County. Would you be happy to see us, not not play, you know, reserve teams, but rest players now and again with midweek schedules? Or is the league so important that it has to be full strength every week? Or would you do it in the Cups?
2: I think a mixture and a good balance of both is what you need. You can't have players burning out like they have done this season. You can't have them playing... 50, 60 games without really much arrest and international games in between that. You need to make sure that everybody gets their chance, and their opportunity if they're performing well enough in training then then give them a shot in the, the League Cup say to start with and then if they're if they impressed then and, and who's to say they're not going to be fighting for first team places that's what we want to see and there's going to be guys obviously around the about, and I think Hayes is a prime example that it's never going to be a week on week starter and he's never going to be like fighting Key and Tierney and if Kieran Tierney's and fit. But he, he we need we do you, you need squad players like that about if you if you don't have them then the 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 depth automatically disappears and then you you start to struggle. I think it's key having these guys and you say playing them in the league and, and not playing full strength. I think it's key as well because it keeps everything fresh, keeps everyone on their toes and, and makes sure that the happiness and the, the squad mentality is right. As as said, if, imagine he's sitting on the bench for six, seven weeks at a time, not getting a sniff but then he gets a chance he makes a mistake and then he gets dropped again you need to ease it in, bed it in and do it the proper way, I think we've been doing it to an extent Roger's done it too much sometimes and Lennon has that balance he seems to have it, done it with the, the last game against Hearts, I think it was, it was good to see the younger players starting but making sure that that happens throughout the season so that folk don't get yeah. burnt out So what we're
1: saying is he's garbage and he's off the list um yeah
0: I'm not I'm not a mass. He gives his all and he's actually been not bad when you think about his performance against Aberdeen but I just think a, a left winger I know he's been playing at left back but a left winger to score one goal in two seasons isn't particularly great and <laughs> I just I, I would I would be very worried. I think that's my fear with Neil Lennon for some reason is that the likes of Lustig and if the rumours about Azegiri being offered a new contract are true then God help us But stuff like that Players like that Keep appearing next year And as you see, I'm happy for Hayes To play a similar amount Of games next season And you know If someone's injured For him to come in But when you think Of the options we have in the left wing He shouldn't really be Seeing too much game time Obviously there's loads Of players Fed and uh, Arzani And Johnson We don't know exactly What we're going to get From them next season But I just think that They've got to be better Than Johnny Hayes or we've got to be Looking to improve On players like Johnny Hayes I think if you keep Signing players like Johnny Hayes and playing players like Johnny Hayes, you turn into Aberdeen in many ways. I, I don't want that to come across if I'm <laughs> slagging the guy because as I say, I thought he was pretty decent in the second half of the season. But I feel like that's as good as he can be. I don't think Johnny Hayes is going to turn out and be like Player of the Year next year. And I think in such a key position as the wings, which they've always been an important part of Neil Lennon's teams, have been the wings and how how the wingers get at players. Um, I, I think we need to improve, and I don't want to see him playing too I mean, much.
1: The reason the reason for him playing, I think, on the left wing is I think because he's a left-footed player, and Lennon likes his wingers to be have the the preferred foot on the on the flank that they play on. I don't think he likes he really likes players coming in and cutting inside. So that may be where like players such as um, Arzani struggle because I believe Arzani's right-footed but plays mainly mainly on the left. So I'm not sure what what Lennon's philosophy will be on that next season. I guess we're going to find out over the next few months. Jeremy
0: Toljan, Yusuf Malumbu, um, and there's Christian Gamboa.
1: Anyone want to talk about one of them and just keep it brief? Um, I think, did we not? We covered this in the worst player category, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, these players shouldn't be at the club. I know we're, These are players who I feel like if they don't get a game, they aren't happy. Whereas Hayes, is, if we're going to have squad players who um, want to play for Celtic, then... They need to have the attitude and mentality of someone like Hayes who, like Paul says, could sit on the bench for six weeks but you know when he comes on he's going to be hungry and and looking to impress. If you have a character like Toljan or Malumbu on the bench for two months then they're just going to come on and toil. So get them out of the club, get them away and move on from two poor sign-ins. And I think Malumbu's contract for another year. Obviously Toljan's away back to Dortmund on loan. away. Gamboa's away at the end of his contract, so just get them off the wage bill, because I'm sure as we said on the podcast a few weeks ago I think once you tally up all the deadwood in the squad that you don't even want there, then you're automatically clearing tens of thousands of pounds off the wage bill, which can go towards funding moves for two to three quality players in each position, so um, get rid of them, get them off this list, get them out of Celtic, goodbye I was a bit staggered to find out that Christian Gamboa had appeared seven times this season, I I quite simply can't remember one. Must be early in the season because I can't remember either. Maybe when we went in the podcast and when... um... (laughs) When we didn't support Celtic. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So Um... seven for him. Jeremy Tolian started ten times again. That seems quite high, but I suppose he did have a a spell under Rodgers when he first came in. Um, And Yusuf with three appearances, still staggered to find out that two of them were in crucial Europa League matches, but hey-ho, that's what I was touching on earlier. Right, get rid of those three. Um, Give us someone else, Paul.
2: Right, this may be controversial, but um, at this stage I am ready to get rid of Scott Brown.
0: What? That is quite controversial at this stage. You're ready to get rid of him. He shouldn't make it through to judges' houses.
2: I, I don't think so. Um, and my eyes were opened during the best match category and the Leipzig match, and him not playing of started to, I don't know, think he, he he's not... he he was just so good two seasons ago he was very good last year he's just slightly going regressing obviously getting older but I think uh, although he had so many memorable moments in terms of like good pattern and stuff like that he's still (laughs) ill-disciplined in terms of a lot of cards and Although he has an influence in the, in, in the team I don't think his performances on the pitch Have been good enough to merit I can hear Aye.
1: discontent coming from Dundee I'm, just, I'm <laughs> flabbergasted But it's Paul that's coming out with this argument um, Paul is Scott Brown's biggest supporter But there's needs to be something said here And I do want to counter what you're saying Paul I think Scott Brown's form Took a big hit At the tail end of last season Sorry, the tail end of last year In 2018 but mainly due to fitness and injury problems, he obviously had a stinker of the game at Ibrox, but as we've mentioned, like at least he, at least he showed up to have a stinker, to be noest. Also, I think his reaction to that game um, at Rangers was quite immense, really. I think he was really good for us in, in February. Did he not score three goals in five matches or something? And yeah. he was really important in our kind of revival in the initial period under... Brendan Rodgers where we were playing some really good football some of our best football of the season I do think we played our best football of the entire season without Browning the team when he was injured but I don't think we should just go you know he didn't do anything this season it was just all pat. And I don't think he's quite had a lustig style season for example and I think that there was big moments in it was always him pushing us on at the end of these big matches. Even under Lennon, it was his ball that was crossed in for Edward to finish at Pinecastle, for example. So it was him
0: that, that you know took on the challenge of Vic Piazza in the cup final, and, and probably led Celtic after going behind in the cup final. He was yeah, and that game.
1: think about just think about the Rangers game itself the two one game. I mean, Scott Brown was immense that day, just in in terms of being cute enough and savvy enough to really get at Rangers and cause them to melt down. I mean, that that was des- designed by Scott Brown. I mean, that's not just... he wasn't just... It wasn't a coincidence that he was involved in all of those incidents. So, mm. I say to you, Paul, not quite there. You've not justified why you should be going off the list for me. Surely you see the benefit of him in the second half of the season, especially. I, you do, I do, but
2: I just... I I think the... I'm saying anonymous games or games where he's been missing or games where he hasn't played slightly outweigh the three or four really key points and pre matches that he had. <laughs> hey,
1: miss, what do you think I, on this? What's going on here? I, th- I think he's a he's, I think he's a massive
0: player for Scott Brown and he's he's you know he's a talisman and he's been the same with Scott Brown. What is it, nineteen? 19- one eh, honours he's had as, as Celtic player 18 as captain now for all those years he's almost been the, the player you don't hear about too much really he doesn't score the goals or set up the goals really he does occasionally but not often but he's the guy who will make the tackle and spur the team on and he is the captain and quite often in good teams the captain isn't the best player and I think Scott Brown's the, you know, the epitome of that I think he's had another good season he, Folk are very quick to slaughter him after games at Ibrooks and it happened after both matches against Ibrooks and as you say, Johnny, he was pretty poor those games but he was the one man in both of the games, the one man who actually didn't go hiding and if he was passing the ball out the park, you know what, that's not great, but I would rather a player was there passing a the ball at the park than not doing anything and hiding like so many of the players did in those two games at Ibrook, so I think that deserves, uh, he deserves a lot of credit for never hiding and, you know, he's always, he's the guy in every game that the opposition look to get at there's so much made of Scott Brown trying to unsettle the opponents and the Rangers stuff and all that, but he has to put up with it every single game and Everyone targets Scott Brown and he never reacts. I mean, he had one red card this season yeah. and, and that was just for a, celebration. an innocuous sending off for the celebration, which isn't really related to the football and it didn't affect us in any way. So I would certainly have him in the, in the discussion for the player of the year. I think he has to be in the discussion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be putting him forward to be the player of the year, but I think he has to be mentioned alongside the ones we'll come on to later on. Um, an interesting point I think has been made, though, by Paul, and it's one... I heard a fella... Um, on Super Scoreboard now I don't listen to Super Scoreboard but I saw a, a social media clip that was posted and a fellow was phoning up talking um, about the, the point Paul made and the fact that Celtic's best performances and you know the Leipzig victory and that really good spell we had which was the best spell probably the best spell football wise between that and you know the kind of January-February when we came back for the winter break was our best spell all season and Scott Brown wasn't in the team for you know that you know S- September-October spell and I think it does raise an interesting point in that he's our massive captain but is he needed every single game? Is he needed at home to Hamilton and teams like that when we could probably have more creative players in the team? It's an interesting topic, I think and it's one that we've got to watch next year because Scott Brown, he started 47 matches this year he can't keep playing that many games, surely, at his age um, as, as the years goes on otherwise he won't have too many years in him and I would just really like—I mean, there's been talk about Turnbull coming in. I know he plays kind of a bit more forward than Brown, but I would like to look at a player like that being able to play a lot of games instead of Scott Brown this year. I'm not convinced we need them in absolutely every match. Yeah, um, I mean, a league—it's a—it's a long league season, and every match doesn't have to be a, a gripping one that we can't afford to win and all that. I know we need to win the majority of our games, but. Do we really need Scott Brown playing at home to Hamilton and stuff like that when we've got like a big European game four
1: days later? No. I'm not convinced. And I, th- if, I don't think he's undroppable at all. Just from the discipline point though, I just want to bring back to that because Paul said he's picked up a lot of cards this season and he has but for me that's the definition of living and playing on the edge and I think a lot. He's the
0: best at it. He's
1: brilliant. Yeah, I mean, a lot. A lot of people use that excuse for Alfredo Morelos across the season, but that's the complete wrong way to do it. He doesn't live on the edge. He's off the cliff, you know. Scott Brown does play on play on the edge, and he he is the best at picking up cards, but never really getting sent off. Apart from, of course, the the celebration of rugby park. So, as as we've noticed down noted down the years, we've said it on the podcast many times, but Scott Brown has very few red cards for Celtics. You know. You know, when you consider his position, consider the way he plays, and consider the fact that he's got a reputation for ill-discipline. So, I think it's really important to have a player who has that savvy and has those dark arts in them in the team. I know, and I take your point that he probably shouldn't be playing every match, and I would like to see us try different midfield blends going forward, especially with the emergence of Ryan Christie and hopefully the return to form of Tom Rogic. But Scott Brown not getting rid for me. Quite yet, one player who we would get rid of in his place, just so we, we whittle the list out down somewhat. Cham, it's yeah, it's a lovely cham. So get him to get
2: him to pick, Paul. <laughs> Well, I, th- I, th- I agree with that. I think I, th- I think uh, there's been one central defender standout this season, and it's not either of them. So um, get midfield. Rid of, eh, sorry, midfield. Yes, I think Cham had a. There's a couple of big moments as well, but not anywhere near the level of Scott Brown. I think he's he's below his level in terms of in influence on a match. He can't really, I know he can change games and he can score goals, but I I don't know. There's some there's just something not quite clicking into place with him. And I know he's played a lot of games this season, but there's, there's, there's something missing. I don't know what it is, and I can't put my finger on it. It's just, it seems like it's it's not 100% for him. It's a kind of lackluster stroll that he has around the pitch, and maybe that's just his, his, way he walk, his way he walks and the way he plays. But it just seems to me that he's not given it all, and he's on the cusp of being really, really good, but he's just not there.
0: For me, he's probably the most talented player we've got of the squad. I think some of the things he can do, and his passes, and how well he keeps the ball, he's brilliant, but he's really not done it. I could I could count his real good performances in one hand. The two derby matches at home to Rangers. He had a couple of other games when he, he played pretty well. He scored six goals, which you know, it isn't horrendous. Um probably looking for a couple more, but it's not a horrendous goal tally. He did add something, but it was the nature of the performances, the red card at St Mirren, the, the awful display at Ibrook's and in, in the game at New Year and there's nothing more frustrating For football fans Than seeing a player Who is so talented But just doesn't seem To want it enough And I think for me There's been money Talked about From the likes of Porto And like Marseille Were the latest ones Linked with them. And if something big Comes in for him And I'm talking You know Double what we paid for him Seven, eight million If you get something like that Snap your hand off for it Move him on mm-hmm. I've no doubt He'll be a star Somewhere he goes I think Because I think If he plays in a better league He'll improve because I think he'll be tested every week. But that's not to slag off the Scottish game in any way. Because Encham should be good enough to breeze every game. He should. He should absolutely. He should be Player of the Year for me if he turned up every week yeah. and, and he played the way he does on select occasions. But he's just not got it. And I think we've come to the conclusion as a podcast that he's never really going to have it. And it's time probably just to move him on And, and you know, double the fee we paid because we paid a healthy fee for him, but we could probably still double that. So it's not. I mean, it's not a disastrous thing. I think you just need to almost you know admit admit defeat and, you know, sell them on, get a wee bit of profit, and just say, they can't all be, you know, Virgil van Dijks, but, I
1: mean, a £2-3 profit, it's not bad. I, I don't disagree with that. I think if we had an award for biggest disappointment, it would be a shootout between Completely. Cham and Rogic, maybe, but Cham would shade it, because I, I do think he's uh, a really good and and unique talent in our squad. I think he has vision um, when he has the ball at his feet beyond any other player in, in the squad, like you mentioned, and... It's a shame that it's not really working out. I would love for him to turn around his form at Celtic. I'm just not sure if he has the desire to do that. Not sure if he has the desire to be the main man in the midfield on a week-to-week basis. And That's really what we need, isn't it? That's really what we need. We need players who want that and are, are hungry to do that. So goodbye to Olivier and Jam. I've got, I've got two players here that are kind of, kind of similar in a way in the sense that perhaps their best or their hardest work Of the season took place off the pitch, and I would say near Beton and Lee Griffiths, who both had their own issues. Near Beton recovered for most of 2018 from knee surgery, and he admitted when he kind of returned to action or returned to training that he feared that operation might result in him never being able to play uh, football again in his career, and was actually in tears about it, and was like considering his future in the game, you know, with his girlfriend or his wife, not sure which, and so he battled really hard worked really hard to get back to fitness and in fact when did come back into the team he wasn't blazing any trails by any means but you know at least looked fit enough and eager enough to get involved played both 90 minutes against hearts of timecastle and hibbs easter road and so was there and and there to be counted in, in a critical moment of the season and had put in the hard work to get to that point off the pitch likewise Eli lee griffiths Obviously, has well documented problems off the pitch. Took a hiatus from the game to work on that, and by all accounts, has been like a demon in in training or in 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 the fitness studio, trying to get back to where he should be as a Celtic player and as a Celtic striker. And I think that um, battling that when he's got you know mental health problems, by all accounts and other problems, is a credit to him, the fact that he's kind of put that behind him for now and is focusing has one goal in his mind and that's to get back into the Celtic team he looks very fit in footage and and photos that I've seen over the last couple of months and I believe he's been working double sessions every day in the gym trying to get back um, to that level so I think whether he has a future at Celtic I don't know I mean that's to be decided but I think that he's going to be in and about it in pre-season and I think having that composition for Eduard is going to be really critical at least until we sign some sort of replacement for Moussa Dembele, which we still don't have. Um, so those two players, most of their work um, this season has been done off the pitch, but as a hidden part of the game. the, the play, uh, Fans don't get to see this, but those two players must have put in some amount of effort to get to where they are currently and fair play to them for it. They're not going to win a Player of the Season award. We can say goodbye to them now, but you know, yeah. s- s- salute to them. Yeah, well said. It must be a,
0: a lonely place as well, coming back from injuries, especially when it's, you know, mental health um, that's one of the problems as well. Mm-hmm. Lee Griffiths last played for us in the victory over Kilmarnock in December. He still managed six goals, which isn't a, a bad tally. You know, if he'd been playing the whole season, he'd probably have got into about twelve, thirteen, fourteen, something like that. Near beaton in contrast, ten appearances, five from the start. He hasn't scored for Celtic uh, since December 2016 A game you two were at uh, When we beat Dundee And he scored a goal um, As John says You know They're, they're big players that will be coming back Next year Paul And to use an old cliche They'll be like new signings
2: You would hope so I think Beaton, especially He's another one of these Squad Kind of workman Like players Where he's, he's Kind of always about And He's reliable from the bench And he can slot in Especially that That spell where he slotted in And played centre half Was I think everybody at the club recognised the hard work he put in for that and how out of his comfort zone he was, but he managed to kinda help us out in a in a real time of need and I'm quite glad that the the club have have stuck by him and and hopefully it helped him as much as they possibly can with this. Obviously a quite a horrific injury that he had and the recovery time's been it's been long um, You've seen that From his social media updates And stuff like that And then eventually Coming back into the team Is great to see And hopefully he can kick on Now he's I know he's, he's still got Hopefully a good few years Left playing He's only he's, I think he's about ages with me So he's not He's not a, a old me. guy by, He's not an old guy at all You know um, Griffiths I think you just You keep your fingers crossed You know we, we know the talent he's got We know the goals that he can score We know what he can do With a dead ball and if everything gets sorted and and Lennon feels like he's ready, because I think Lennon's mental health problems himself have been well documented, so I think it might be good in the sense that Lennon's back because he he could be the one person that they can help Griffiths along and pull him that wee bit further and hopefully. Kind of getting towards the games in July, um, maybe even start August, that Griffiths could be ready. Because seeing that most of the squad players are away on holiday and enjoying times with family and Griffiths is in the gym, he's he's getting himself ready for the next season. He, I think he's he's got a good bit of fight in him and he's desperate to, to get his name back on the team sheet.
0: So near Beton, uh, Lee Griffiths, no luck, you won't be winning the award this year, but well done. Keep the head down, well done in your recovery, and you may well be in the discussion next year if you have a good season. Uh, two players, as I say, he'll be like new signings this summer. Another player who'll be like a new signing this summer, just not for Celtic, is Dedrick Boyata. Of course, he's left the club. 32 appearances this season, all from the start, funnily enough. We are talking about Billy McNeil that great start. Um, quite funny that all of Boyata's appearances came for the start. Quite funny. He appeared one hundred thirty-five times in total for Celtic. One hundred thirty-four of them were starts as well, which I thought was interesting. He only came off the bench once. Uh, I suppose you get kind of fewer substitutions for defenders. But hey ho, he scored one goal. It was a pretty important goal as well in August when we beat Hamilton. That was the same day when the the Green Brigade unveiled their display. What was it? Was it not fit to wear the shirt? Yeah. Was that the phrase he used? He was also sent off the following month in the Betfred Cup play on against St Johnson, as I say, 32 appearances, one goal. First of all, how do we judge Boyata's season, John? And also, how do we judge his entire time at Celtic?
1: Well, I think he grew to become our best player. Um, or Sorry, our best defender, not our best player. Um, (laughs) Our best central defender, even. Not even um, defender. He He was our best central defender. And it's a shame to see him go. It's a shame to see him feel the need to go. I don't think a move to Hertha Berlin's particularly ambitious, if I'm being honest. I think he's already getting selected for Belgium, and I think that he probably had a good offer from Celtic to stay at Celtic Park. Obviously, his commitment to to, to, to play for Celtic, Celtic isn't that great, and he he, he fancies his chances elsewhere, and like, you can't criticise him too much for that. I mean, it's modern football. I think the way he acted last summer, I don't think we really know the full story of. I'm hesitant to trust him when he says that, you know, there's two sides to the story. I'm also hesitant to trust Brendan Rodgers' side of the story. What happened, we don't know. He didn't play for us in a crucial UEFA Champions League playoff, and I feel like it was probably more likely to do with the player than the club. I think that we're well within our rights to refuse bids from clubs, even if they've got less than a year left on their contract, and the player should be fit and available Um, in those moments for us when we need them and I think that he did turn around and there was a clearing of the air and he did go on to have an actually really good season from a playing perspective for me so it's difficult to exclude him from this conversation as much as my feelings towards him aren't the best I think playing wise he deserves to be in the conversation at least at this stage. It's just that classic one isn't it where you
0: know fans slag the player off and there was a lot of animosity towards him in that game he was getting booed remember in the game against hamilton and just by decent performances the you know the fickle nature of of football supporters is is laid bare and the fans actually grew to quite like him that season and it was a disappointment when he hobbled off and his final game was that victory against Rangers when he hobbled off and we were down to 10 men with 10 minutes to go. He wasn't seen again. He's posted some nice stuff in social media about his time, a nice wee video on Instagram about his time at the club. Um, I guess I'll remember him as a pretty decent defender, a, a defender who had all the attributes, pace, uh, power, but just let himself down with some daft moments. I think back to... More last season, um, you know, season twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, when he had the error at Ibrooks and the really bad mistake against Bayern in the Champions League, and I mean, time will tell whether like and charm in many Anyways, if playing in a, a better league and being tested all the time makes him a better player, I always just felt he had too many lapses in concentration to to be considered. You know, certainly. Among the kind of Van Dyke level of of Celtic player like Van Dyke's time at the club, um, I would never consider him to be kind of as good as that because he had too many errors. But certainly not the worst centre back we've had in the last ten years. As I say, he'd probably be one of the top three or four, and he had all the attributes. And when we really needed him in big games, a lot of the times, he would step up with big goals. He was a real you know nuisance in the box of the opposition, and it'd be interesting to see if we replace that next year because I know that Simunovic scored a couple of goals, but. You know, Chris Ferreira doesn't really seem to get his head on the end of too many things and You just want that to be something that Celtic improved this summer and we've certainly lost a good player in an attacking sense in Boyata But also as a defender as well Paul?
2: Yep, very much agreed with both of them um, And nothing more to add on Boyata um, Otherwise, and <laughs> give him the best of luck Hopefully his, season continues to fl- his uh, career continues to flourish
0: Boyata <laughs> Oh dear <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, we've got uh, Ten names left We've already touched on Scott Bain and Scott Brown uh, They're through to the next round um, We're kind of into the big, big hitters now Probably, I mean, Jozo Simunovic. You can touch on him He's probably not going to win I could be wrong, but probably not No it uh, Didn't play too much He, he appeared mainly um, at the end of the season If you look at his, his time The majority of his appearances did come under Neil Lennon He started eight of our last nine matches Really came into that role when Boyata went off in, in the Rangers game. The following nine matches from that, as I say, he started eight of them. He was only didn't appear in one of them, Trophy Day. Uh, he didn't start that game because he was rested for the Cup final. He doubled his goal-scoring tally from two to four goals this season, but also in the space of two weeks. And, scored a couple of really big goals for us that got us over the line John that uh, yeah. winner against Coman and also the goal at Patojo the following week
1: yeah he, he he did and I think he was really good under Lennon I don't think Rodgers fancied him at all and only used them really when he needed to but it's it strange his relationship with Rodgers because both him and Sviachenko seemed to be trusted by Rodgers for a good 6 months initially at Celtic or a good 8 months And then Rodgers just seemed to turn on them. He just seemed to go, no, that's not actually what I'm looking for, despite some decent form that I think was probably better defensive form than much of the the second season at Celtic. And it's it's just a strange one. His career at Celtic has been a little bit disjointed. And hopefully under Lennon, he has the confidence to be a first-choice centre-back because I think, much like the other players, I think it's just his raw attributes are really strong. And I think that he's probably a player that thrives in confidence. He was... the all, You know, when Rodgers left the club, the players were given multiple interviews to different outlets and stuff, and everyone seemed to be a bit diplomatic with their comments. Simeonovic seemed to relish the fact that Rodgers was away and that Lennon was there. He seemed to really thrive on it. So I don't think there was much love lost between him and Rodgers. not sure what the story was there, but I'm glad that he's far happier under Lennon and we'll see what next season brings so as a as conversation for player of the year, obviously, absolutely not. But I'm, I'm hopeful that he can offer us something um, next season. I'm not.
0: I don't, I don't like, I don't like him. I don't think he's a particularly great footballer. I think he's prone to too many mistakes, and I would really hope that we try and find a a partner for Ayer who not Simunovic. I just think that. He's maybe had a decent wee run of form at the end of the season there but just I'd, I'd really don't see it with the guy I, th- I think he's I came to the conclusion probably last season that he wasn't going to become the player that we hoped because when he first arrived, I loved him. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he read the game well. He was quick. I really thought this guy. Like, I think folk were comparing him to Van Dyke in many ways when he first arrived, and for whatever reason, it's not just ha- It's not happened, and that thing you say about Rogers that, that may well have been the case. And it, there's a good chance that he took a real knock from being fancied at first under Rogers and playing a lot of games. I think next to Turi at the back in the original days and Sviatchenko, and then been bombed out for. You know the likes of Ayer uh, originally and Boyata obviously as well, and Jack Hendry and players like that. You know he's right down the pecking order this time last year. and I think he's obviously taken a knock from that. I just I'm just not convinced. I think he just makes too many errors. And I think he's just a bomb scare waiting to happen. And I think it would happen in a big European game like a playoff tie at home to to some you know Greek mob or something like that. And he he chuck one in his own net or make a big error or give a daft penalty away like he did against PSG in the five nil game. I, I'm just not convinced by him at all And I'll happily say that that I don't, I don't rate him And I will happily be proved wrong I hope so, he has a great season He's a starter and all that But I don't see it We're going to war on Yozo next season then. that's what we're saying Yeah Good stuff. He'll be this, uh, next year's Scott Sinclair
1: <laughs> Where do you come down in the, uh, the I was about to say the Croatians debate He is Croatian He, he is, plays for Bosnia He was Bosnian for about two months Until he wasn't getting selected by them either Then he turned his back and said No I'm actually Croatian <laughs> Where do you stand on Paul?
2: I'm complete opposite from you I've always liked him and <laughs> I still like him I think considering the three other central defenders that he's been kind of fighting for places with this season the fact that he's played 30 games and he's been largely decent speaks for itself I think he's obviously fighting against guys that I have coming through the way he has done Benkovic coming in and obviously being fancied by Rodgers and then Boyata is Boyata and obviously there was, there was issues there He's he's been very good this season I think especially towards the end and as you mentioned the, the fact that he wasn't really fancied but he still stuck it out and he still managed to start games managed to play games managed to clean sheets and you mentioned the error prone thing and there's nothing that jumps out at me as bad as it does for Boyata or... or um, other defenders going past like going back in time that you would always think oh they're error prone like Effie Ambrose always was I don't remember Simonovic making really bad judgement calls he always seems to be steady on the ball he he, he's, he can pick a pass and he's not one of these defenders that's desperate to get to get rid of it he can he can take it in a wee stroll and he can he can pass it along the deck he can head it he's, he's a very very solid player he's not at the level that we all thought he would be kind of three four years down the line but, but he he's he's still very very good
1: I mean thinking about it as well though I mean I, the way I was talking there was very much framed around you know next season domestically I think when it comes to Europe there's massive question marks isn't there I don't think he's good enough for that level at all and I think if we're yeah. looking to progress then I mean I, I don't disagree with him I should do think we need to sign a really good centre back this summer who can you know play alongside Aya. that's my hope I think Saminovic is obviously good enough to Keeping a squad, and I do think he's had a really good end of the season, like a legitimately good end of the season. But when you think back to games, I know I think he played in defeats to Leipzig, he played in defeat Valencia. to the two defeats to Valencia. He played in a defeat to Athens. Um, he he played in the draw against Sadova I mean, he also played in the defeat against Salzburg. So there's issues there um, when it comes to stepping up. And whether he can do that now that he's got renewed confidence under Lennon, I don't know. But we'll, we're going to it's a wait and see one now. Before, if you'd asked me three months ago, I would have said he doesn't have much of a future. I think he's fought his way back into the discussion of having a future at Celtic, and, and fair play to him for that. He's very much a wait and see one now for me. Just get this fear that, as I said earlier, that Neil Lennon's going to look at these players and think, "Oh, they did
0: a good job for me," and he's going to, you know, trust them next year and that, that's just my biggest fear that we go into next year and when you hear Peter Lowell talking about you know the squad doesn't need massive surgery I mean he's even watching Celtic for the last year I just I think I think we really do need a lot of recruits you're very worried don't you and and you're
1: very very worried
0: I, I am if we like, it's, I, it's my fear a genuine fear that we will be going into these European qualifiers with like Lustig, Simunovic and Hayes in the team and that's a fear for me wow well, Hey-ho, we're probably I mean we'll touch a wee bit on that at the end if we've got time, just our hopes for the next couple of weeks and that kind of thing. Right, we're into the big hitters, assuming we're taking Simunovic out of the conversation. Yeah. Um hopefully. But we'll turn into the, the big hitters. We're now in the big dogs. These are the ones who could probably each of these guys could have a, a claim to win in the thing. Uh John, select one from the list we haven't talked about so far. Well
1: you we say that, but one that I wouldn't select is Tom Rogic. I think he's been dismal since the turn of the year. Much of that injuries. He went away with Australia to the Asian Cup, which obviously isn't as Malt, but when we're considering Celtic, isn't ideal for Celtic either. I think that getting injured off the back of that was a real blow, and I think we did play some of our best football of the season with him in the team. But he's not fit, and he doesn't really look that interested in getting fit. And hopefully, with a pre-season under his belt, he can do something this summer. Otherwise, it's you know he's on a shaky peg for me because I, I don't think we can afford a luxury player in this team with the battles that we've got ahead. And for me, right now. Since the turn of the year, he's very much been a luxury player who isn't producing much, and if he can get back to the form that we know and love from him, then I'd be more delighted than anyone, because I do love him, and I think his Uh, raw ability is exceptional, but right now he isn't producing and doesn't deserve to be in this conversation.
0: I was going to say, you must be saying that with a heavy heart, because I've not found a guy who who likes Tom Rogic more, apart from maybe his dad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean that's probably why I'm being so harsh as well because it's just he's just been a very much a big massive disappointment for me this season, and it's it's not nice to say that I don't enjoy saying that and I think that what what will happen happens right now he's he's low down on my list of priorities in the team, and um, hopefully he turns it around and and does something because he has he has the ability we know that twenty six starts five goals this season Paul would you sell him if a decent
0: offer came in. Mm. And I'm talking I don't know 16
2: million. I I think going logically with the money side of things you would be you probably be daft not to take it but I wouldn't like to see him go just yet. I think he's got multi offer and if he can get the fitness thing down and he can, he can manage to to show case his, his real talents on a week to week basis then we should be working hard to, to keep him but I think the questions still keep coming and they still keep coming and getting asked the guy's never started 30 games in a season and that's a worry like that's a, it's a real worry because he, he's in the he should be at the, the kind of peak of his prime in, in the position that he plays he should be scoring he should be knocking in double figures goals every season and he should be starting 30 to 40 games he's not fit enough to do that and he in I don't think he's apart from invincible season has he really been fit enough to do that even that season there was question marks over his fitness and it's something that's kind of held him back for a long long time I would I would hate to see him go but I don't know if that's just been sentimental there's a bit a tough decision to make I would imagine there would be discussions but teams will be interested in him but I think to what the way that he's played this season would maybe Put off some teams in terms of having the work, their work they would have to carry out to get them to, to the level that they would want them. I think he'll stay for another while, and hopefully he can prove us wrong and start scoring goals and starting a a few more games.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one to look at. Um, ahead of next season, he's undoubtedly one of our our biggest players, and that's kind of what I meant when I was talking about the guys who have got left in terms of like big hitters. But I think you're right; he's he's not had a good season at all. He's really not contributed too much, and we'll know early on next season what Tom we will getting. What does your gut tell you, John? Do you think he'll turn out to get back to the the level we know Tom Rogic, or, or do you think that's going to be a downward spiral? Um, I'll need
1: to look at Australia's schedule over the next two months.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, it's going off on a tangent. I noticed the youngsters uh, of Australia actually have their their version of the Gold Cup this winter. So I'm just wondering if Daniel Arzani um, will have another feud with the idiot and the the Wallabies head coach, whatever it is. Not the Wallabies, the Socceroos. um, I mean,
1: obviously, Tom Roggish wants to represent his country. I'm not asking him to retire from international football. But I think he does miss (laughs) matches when he goes away and plays. even, Even without that tournament, you know, he goes away and plays for Australia and then he comes back quite late in the week through no fault of his own and suddenly isn't really in the running to start a match of the weekend, which uh, coupled with injury and fitness issues is probably the primary reason that he hasn't played or he hasn't started over 30 games in a single season. Paul's like, yeah, there's a worry. It doesn't really matter to us what, what the reasons are for him not starting that amount of games. We play 60-plus games the season, so the fact that he's starting less than half of them is a concern. When he's ostensibly one of our biggest players, one of our most important players, and one of our most skillful players, so we need someone in that team who's going to just really play that week, those week-to-week matches, play forty, almost fifty games for us a season. That's the sweet spot for me. I think playing over fifty games a season, close to sixty, you're burning yourself out. If you play, yeah. you know, forty to fifty, then you're 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 doing well. If you're starting that many games, so. I need more from Tom Rogic. I love Tom Rogic, but I need more from him. And Paul's right, he's in the prime of his career, so it's either sell him now or put the faith in him to turn it round. Whatever the club want to do, I'll back them on it unless we sell him for a ridiculously low fee because I think he's really at a crossroads. Interesting. I mean, when you're talking
0: about you both touched on the fact he only plays that amount of games, you know yourself that when a player's failing to perform, all of this stuff gets brought up and thrown, you know, used as a, a stick to beat him with. But if he's performing like he was in the invincible season and scoring big goals and winning games for us and putting in match winning performances, you're not really too bothered if he's going off 65, 70 minutes into games, no. if he's played, you know, an hour of brilliant football. It's when he's really struggling, and he just looks exasperated and it just
1: all really doesn't look good. And he was also really good, I feel like, in, in Ronnie Dyler's last season too. So he, he has strung together a couple of re- seasons of really good form. Um, to a lesser extent in Roger's second season, and then to a much lesser extent this season. So it's about whether he can get back to those levels. You would have to back him that he can. You know he's not beyond thirty. You know he's not done. I'm just. I'm not writing him off either. It's just. He's at a crossroads. The club need to make a decision. He needs to make a decision. Right, Scott Sinclair, tin hat on.
0: What are we thinking, guys? I'll give you some of his, his stats so far. Um, This season He's scored 17 goals Which is Celtic's Joint second Highest Alongside James Forrest Although his last goal Did come Probably fittingly In Brendan Rodgers Final game in charge Against Motherwell In February So He's not really done it For the end of the season Paul But could you argue That his his form for the first I don't know Six, seven months Of the season Especially when we came back In January uh, Could put him in contention
2: Absolutely And I know you'll disagree I do (laughs) Um, I think the goals that he scored were important. I know there was a, a few penalties, and he didn't start off, didn't hit the ground running by any means. At the start of the season, he kind of slowly eased himself into it, and I think, I think to to dismiss a guy that's scored that many goals is is barbaric. Um, oh. He's. He's contributed so, so many so many goals in, in a, a league season where it's we not, haven't scored that it's many not goals. Barbaric, no, is it?
0: I've, I've never been called barbaric before.
2: <laughs> uh, I, ju- I just think he...
1: He's not Tommy to Robinson, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I just think he has to be in a conversation. I think the spell he had... Well, what's he, the, conversation,
1: he on, the conversation here is, is he getting into the top three? That's the conversation right now. Not a chance... If, not is he getting chance. into the top three Paul Be honest with yourself
2: Of course no, Of course, he's not getting into the top three But if, if we're dropping him We're dropping Bane We're dropping Brown
0: Alright so it's, I'm taking my ball
2: home as well Correct
1: I wouldn't it's drop Brown Scots. I would drop Bane right now Get Sinclair it's and Bane out of this list
2: The chat of the Scots Get rid of all three of them
1: I, I,
0: want to, you, I don't know What has happened with you and Scott Brown Paul? Absolutely nothing but is it, something
2: is happened? To Did you top? take
1: a trip down to Austin Or something over the weekend? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> Is he going to make the top three? I would I would leave him yeah. now I think that's a discussion we
0: could have later on mm. I think yeah. that possibly is As I said at the start and as you said John I've not actually made my mind up yet So I don't actually, I've got a rough idea Two players who certainly will be in the top three In fact I probably do know now that I think But I'll keep Scott Brown down for now Do you want to go into the Scott Sinclair debate again Or will we just kind of leave it and just take him off the list Because we had we'll a just... pretty lengthy debate If you want to listen to that, I don't know <laughs> Podcast number <laughs> 65, it's one after Kilmarnock I think I've got, got something to say because I
1: think um, this, this conversation, this podcast is also just a good way to reflect on the player and what you think might happen to him next season and all that so we won't go over the debate that we've had I, I, I think Scott Sinclair's contributed massively to Celtic over the last three years absolutely, You, you, we can argue blind about that until the cows come home. I think that Scott Sinclair is another player at a crossroads at Celtic. I think we extended his contract, but I think we purely extended it to cash in mean. on some sort of volume for him this summer. What club will come in for him, I don't know, but if we sold him for 2 or £3 million, pounds, I would be happy with that and say goodbye, Scott Sinclair, thanks for your service, because I don't think he has a role under Neil Lennon. I don't think Neil Lennon would get the best out of him, and it's not a criticism of Neil Lennon. I just don't think they're in there. It's been quite obvious since Neil Lennon came into the team. Um, came into the club, so is it time for Scott Sinclair to leave Celtic? Probably, almost absolutely. I do I think he's been a good player for Celtic over the last few seasons, I do, and I think his goal contribution, I think if he took that away from Celtic this season, fans would notice it, you know, fans would notice it a big time, so I don't think you can dismiss it too much, don't think he's in the top three players of the season, don't think he should really be in the conversation it, for it, because there's just been long spells but he's not contributed much and none more so than the one under Lennon. So it's goodbye, Sinclair, for me. I don't think he's going to play for Celtic again, or, or at least in league action. He might play some of their very early qualifiers, but I can't see him having a future at Celtic. It's interesting when you touch on his goal contribution, though,
0: and everything said about James Forrest this season, we'll come on to him shortly, but he scored 17 goals in, I think, 56 appearances, James Forrest. Scott Sinclair, as I said, 17 in. 55, but fewer starts, uh, well, fewer starts, I think 17 less starts than James Forrest. So the fact that Sinclair still scored that amount of goals, you kind of take it for granted, and it is something that I think we'll miss. It's a lot of goals to take off your, uh, you know, your. Your goal scoring for the whole year it's a lot to take off the tally probably I don't know how many goals he scored in total probably a sixth or something like that were scored by Scott Sinclair a fifth maybe so I would certainly I'd certainly urge if they're getting somewhere in on that left wing like I said earlier with, with Hayes it has to be an improvement um, I think Schved plays in the left wing doesn't he?
1: No, he plays on the right he Oh, does on he? The right, right.
0: Yeah. My, my bad but A player like Schwede, I think would be the ideal one To get in the left Someone who can seems like They can add something Is going to have a run At opponents And, and terrorise opponents Because Sinclair doesn't Do that anymore I think that's my main Frustration with him is, Yes, he scores goals But do you ever come away From matches going Oh, Scott Sinclair Had a blinder today
1: No, but I think No, we didn't But if you look at the squad Who's going to come up With the 17 goals Next season That we're going to we, we Would have we had from Sinclair this season who in the squad is capable of replicating that kind of scoring output, There's, I don't think there is a player in the squad apart from Sinclair Forest and Edward currently so if we do get rid of them and I'm happy to do that, if the club want to do that then we need to sign a replacement we need to sign yeah. someone who's going to score over 10 goals a season almost guaranteed to give you that so that's a concern for me as well over the next few months
0: I've not got the stats in front of me. I can't find them anywhere. I just wonder how many assists Sinclair has had because I have a feeling, just a hunch, that it's not particularly high and... If I look at someone like that, goals can be scored, you know, you can contribute to a team in more than just scoring goals and assists in many ways are just as valuable because the team's still getting a goal from it. Six? Six. That's what I mean. I'd like to see a player who could contribute the same amount, not just in goals, but if you're assisting 17 goals and you're a winger and you're scoring six and it's the other way around, I'm quite happy with that. And I think there is, we could get a player out there easily on the left wing that, that would be able to you know, supply more than Sinclair did that. I just I just had a feeling and I'm not surprised at that, but I just had a feeling that he hadn't actually contributed um, that, that well, many assists. So do, I think there's more know, than one ways to, to skin a cat, as they say. Do you know how many Forrest had? Uh,
1: fifteen. You had
0: twenty. That's kinda of my point. So there we go. That's interesting. Right, Scott Sinclair, you're off for now. Will we talk about you ever again on the podcast? Who knows? Right, really are into the big hitters now. Um I'll read them out. We've got Christopher Eyer We've still begrudgingly for Paul got Scott Brown, Ryan Christie, Odson Edward, James Forrest and Callum McGregor. What do you think, Paul? I think now we probably just chuck them all in and have a bit of a chat and try and work out who our top three are.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's gonna be a tricky one to, to, to find a, a balanced three that we all agree on in here. I think we all have our, our favourites and there's all there's massive arguments for all six of these guys. The interesting thing for me, looking at the fixtures, looking at all the games we played and all that kind of stuff, my top three players all scored in the very first game of the season. Oh, wow. Which, which I don't know the if it's set this. Ex- the season. What,
0: is that Livingston you're talking about?
2: No, it was Kurt in the Champions League. So you've got
1: Edward, Forrest and... I can't remember who the third goal was. McGregor. I mean, I'm going to be honest here, I'm going to be brutal and I might just... I mean, if you want to hear our thoughts on Ayer and Christie, you'd be best listening to the most improved on day one and the young player year on day two, where we talked extensively about Ayer and we talked extensively about Christie on the most improved one. So I don't think we need to go into them too much, unless Hamish has really good arguments. Because for me, the top three here, even including Scott Brown, is quite simply Edward Forrest, and McGregor.
0: Yes it is, let's move yep, on Absolutely agreed We should yeah. probably touch on, on the three that are dropping out then quickly Well we can take, in fact do you want to do it Paul? You, you can score of Scott <laughs> off if you want Fa- Go on, enjoy Fantastic. that mate Well done Ryan Christie, uh, as you say we've touched on quickly Just a couple of wee stats, 11 goals this season um, 11 different matches as well, he never scored a brace So they we're all in 11 different matches Do you know how many of those 11 we won? All of them? All 11? Ah, Ten, it's a bit disappointing (laughs) you said that We won ten, we drew the other one against Motherwell In those matches in total we scored 32 goals and conceded two What does that tell you? Does it tell you A, that Ryan Christie inspires Celtic Or that Ryan Christie scores in the games we win comfortably?
2: Or neither? I think Christie has a a massive influence on on the team When he plays, he he brings a spark that, that sometimes is missing And I think without him we look... To lack a wee bit of creativity and a wee bit of flair, he he has he he, he's a he's a huge shining light in the team, and I think his goals and his his impact is always a positive. So I would say but with him in the team, we're a better side.
1: He replaces Stuart Armstrong in the team, doesn't he? That's who he replaces. Yeah, and I think that it's important to have that player who can make the run beyond the 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 forwards, especially when you have someone like Edward who isn't really a six-yard box poacher, you know. And then Ryan Christie can link up effectively getting behind. I think his movement's really good, but I just like how direct he is and how willing he is to try and take on an opponent or, or really go with the ball and drive at defenders. I think that's a really key attribute for us because at, at points, I think the the big, thing with Chris, the big thing with this Celtic team is at points we're just not direct enough and under Neil Lennon where we're directing the wrong ways. Ryan Christie's very direct with the ball at his feet. He's very direct in terms of his movement. And and really wanting to make an impact on the match, and I think that if he puts together thirty to forty games next season, starts that amount of games, you know he's going to be a contender for play of the year. Because yeah. I don't think he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. I think he's taking his chance, and as we've seen, the 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 things about his spell at Aberdeen is the fact that he can do it on a consistent basis. I don't think he's a type of player who drops in and out of form that much. I think he can do it consistently. He's shown that. And yeah. with Celtic, he was showing that too before some of his 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 injury problems and obviously the the bloat his, his John and, and all that. So, I'm excited for him. I think if I'm looking at the team, in the in the summer qualifiers here, I'm thinking about our most important players. You know, Christie's right up there, but I think in terms of player of the year, he just misses out because he's just he kind of came into the team late and and you know he's he's best mentioned in other categories like most improved, like we have done already. Yeah.
0: I think the guy's an absolute star. Um, I really, really like him and I cannot wait to see him back in a Celtic shirt next season. It's just interesting when we're looking at our you know, final, what was it, five, um, all very young. I know James Forrest is probably... What, was he 27, 28, something like that now, but, you know, Ayer, 21, I think, Edward, 21, Christie, slightly older, Callum McGregor, a couple of years older, they're all players who really have the future ahead of them, which has got to bode way, well for Celtic if we can keep them, and you add in players like, you know, Keenan Tierney, who's really young, and other guys like that, that we've got a real bright future, so it's just interesting looking at those. Um, we've touched on Ayer already, uh, he's... he's not going to go through to the the final three as as it stands and the way it looks. Uh, he's played eighty times for Celtic in total. Forty five of them came this season, which really, you know, puts puts home the the fact that this was a real breakthrough year for him. He's just turned twenty one, as I said, um, and he netted his own, his one and only goal in the game you were at against Sadova back in August, Paul. Um, good season for him. Final thoughts from you to start me up, Paul.
2: Yeah, I think a real kind of coming of age season for a young defender who's still kind of learning his trade, but he will continue to improve and I think it was you that mentioned it in one of the previous podcasts um, he has got attributes about him that he could be a future Celtic captain.
0: I think so. I, I would I would give him the vice-captaincy next year. I think I could be right in saying that Lustig I think is the certainly informal vice-captain at the moment and I would... Everyone talks about Keenan Tierney as being the next Celtic captain. I wouldn't be so sure. I think Chris Iyer has all the traits. If you look at any time as a confrontation in the pitch, he's the first one who's running in. Um, he's the first one to defend, you know, his, his teammates. He gives everything. He's growing into the Celtic shirt and I, I just he's the kind of player that I want to see flourish. I mean Christie are the kind of players I want to see flourish under. Neil Lennon next season. I think you just need to play these guys. It's not a risk. It's not like a a Mikey Johnson type level. These are guys who are young, but they can make a massive difference and they can be starters for Celtic if they want to stay at the club for the next five, six, seven years. And I really want to just see Christopher Iron, Ryan Christie playing um, every single week. And I would not be surprised if sitting right here on this chair in one year's time us three hopefully we're still all around um, are (laughs) chatting about Ryan Christie and Chris (laughs) well, you never know life throws these things at you John But this will look a bit daft in a year um, hopefully not Uh, right final three Odds and Edouard oh sorry I think I have you a final chance to say goodbye to Chris Farire
1: yeah just quickly I just thought it was a good point about the fact that he's first into incidents and you know um, things that are happening off the ball and on the pitch I think it's something that we kind of overlooked earlier in the week so it's important to highlight that I think that's a really good point and I think it's good to have you know like a Scottish captain and like maybe a, a, a kind of foreign vice captain I don't know if that's good for the balance of the squad or what and um, just culturally yeah. a little bit different and um, other players might relate to IR more than say Scott Brown for example so I think that that could be a good plan I think that vice captain shouts really really good I would not be against that whatsoever so we'll see how that plays out and you, you think about players who are improving you know We're going to, I hope that we see that next year from him. And I hope that he can start playing at the level of European games because that's what we need out of him now. That's his next step as a Celtic player. So Mm -hmm. we're going to, hopefully, we'll see that with him.
0: Right. Then we'd uh, arrived at the the real decision point. We've got Odson Edward, James Forrest, and Callum McGregor. Uh, I've got a good start for all three of these. Which one do you want to hear first?
2: I I was going to say. Do you, I want you? You two haven't picked your player, and I've I've had mine from the outset without any stats around like that. Who would it be, and then we can have the real discussion.
0: Right at the mo at the moment, I I I genuinely don't know. I'm 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 really I'm leaning towards Edward because of Oof. the big moments, but over Gee, the sir. course of the season, I, I, of- I really I couldn't decide, Paul. I
1: really can't. We're well, wildly wildly going in a different direction here. Because for me it's between two and Edward's not in the conversation. This
0: next uh, 15 minutes or whatever could be quite fun then. Right, uh, Callum McGregor stats. He's played more minutes than any other player in world football this season. 59 appearances for Celtic, 8 for Scotland. That's a total of, further enough, 67, which is a nice number. And a total of 5,716 minutes. That puts him ahead of... Daily Blind and Eden Hazard who I think were second and third um, only six goals in that time which is probably something that I think should count against him it should certainly be mentioned that a player that's played that much I think a player like Callum McGregor who we know can score I think he got was 16 the year before should be getting more than six for me
2: For me that is one of the things that this season pretty much one of the only things that he has been lacking was, was maybe three or four more goals I think he's been by far and away, a lot of the time head and shoulders above the rest of the team in terms of performance. He's just so so hard working. He is around the pitch doing everything. He slots into different positions. He he covers. He attacks. He finds passes. He scores goals. He assists players. He crosses the ball well. He takes free kicks. He he defends magnificently, and he does it all without much fuss. Without much without much style and flair but without much like thinking about it he just, that's just what he does he just he reacts to everything that's going on around about him and the fact that he's always there playing every week week in week out isn't always a good thing but I think for him he he needs to play football just to, that's what he does what he loves to do and although you say he's not scored the goals I still think to to dismiss him or to to say that he's not going to be this this player of the year it is it shows that it shows the the way that he's been playing, the fact that he's still in this conversation without like maybe half the goals that he did last season he's still within well within the conversation. it's testament to his effort that he's put in. And I think I pains me to say it because I'm his biggest fan, I have been for a while. I think his compassionate just sneaks it. But Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: we'll we'll get, we'll get into this. Yes. We'll get into this, we're getting there, we're getting to the tickly bit. Do, do you do want a James Forrest stat? Yeah, yeah, go for it, and then I've got something to say, yeah,
0: go for it. 53 starts for Celtic this season, only Callum McGregor has more, 17 goals, that's his joint best total in a season. Previous season's tally, starting away back in his first season in 2010, so since then in chronological order he's gone one 3 9 4 7 4 2 8 17 17. Now, the last two seasons to you know almost double his previous mm-hmm. best tally and to do it for two seasons in a row. I know we're only touching on this season with this award, but it does just show the, the improvement. And if you add in the thing about the 20 odd assists, it's a remarkable you know set of statistics.
1: I'm going to take your point here because it kind of feeds into what I want to say about Forrest and McGregor as a duo. And I'm hoping that what I'm about to say also makes supporters feel a little bit better about next season since Neil Lennon's come into the club and since he's been appointed as a permanent manager there's been a lot of chatter about you know standards are going to slip at Celtic because Brendan Rodgers isn't here but I think for me and players like Forrest and McGregor who exemplify the attitude and professionalism and you know mentality of players we need to be performing for Celtic at a high level on a consistent basis, I think you'll find that standards don't slip so easily and I think that although although Brendan Rodgers left Celtic abruptly and it was a shock to the system for supporters and probably the squad, I think that the standards that you raised at Celtic have been instilled into the players that are now in that squad, that doesn't walk away with Brendan Rodgers to Leicester City You know, that's something that's in this Celtic squad now and in players like Forrest and McGregor. And you think of these two players over the last two seasons have been incredibly successful in this team and have been our most important players. And I think these two players are Premier League level quality players. I'm not talking top six. I don't think they're going to be starting for Liverpool anytime soon. But these two players could play in the Premier League. And I think three or four years ago, that certainly wasn't the case with James Forrest. And, you know, Callum McGregor's that bit younger, but it wasn't the case for him either. And so for them to have come from there to now is partly due to Brendan Rodgers. Almost a massive part of that is to do with Brendan Rodgers. I don't think now that it's here, now that ability and mentality and spirit and professionalism is here, then it's here to stay. And they're going to make sure, as much as anyone at Celtic, that the standards at Celtic don't slip, um, even though Neil Lennon, arguably, um, that might happen under so I think this squad are really well placed to be the most successful team in the country again next season and it's because I have faith in players like Forrest and McGregor to be mainstays of this team and I don't think either of them are looking for a move away from Celtic anytime soon and these two players are by far and away our most important players and best players over the course of the season and I love Watson Edward we've talked extensively about him this week we've given most of our awards to things that he's done but I think for me the two players I feel like embody this successful Celtic team right now are Forrest and McGregor, and I can't choose between them. So there'll be arguments for either one, but I feel like it's really between these two. Okay, I'll get my odds on Edwards start out of the way then, and hopefully I can <laughs> wow yous. Uh...
0: As we know, 23 goals for the Frenchman In 52 appearances this season Only 39 starts So, you know, 23 goals and 39 starts isn't bad Those goals were made up of 5 braces and 13 individual goals So no hat-tricks for him this season But he did net his one and only hat-trick Against Motherwell last season So that's a total of of 18 games That he scored in We won 17 of them Salzburg away being the exception So every domestic game Odson Edwards scored in We won Eight of those games we wouldn't have won without his goals. So I'm talking Dundee away, Rosenberg at home, um, Hearts away, the Cup final, Rangers victory at Celtic Park. Massive, massive impact he had. I get that the other two were more consistent. I think Edward did have spells where he perhaps didn't look massively interested and he did really have you know loads of spells where... He didn't he didn't really score goals. But I think the fact that he scored in 18 of his 30 uh yeah, scored in 18 of his 39 starts, 23 goals in total in 39 starts, and then you add in the massive goals. For me, you can't discount that. And I think he scored massive, massive goals. That Celtic wouldn't have won a lot of the games, we wouldn't have won the Scottish Cup. We may not have won the league if Edward hadn't scored these big goals. I get that's why you pay your striker, and I get that he's more likely to do that than James Forrest or McGregor. Uh, and they, they contribute in other and perhaps better ways than Edward but I just think you look at that effect he's had on the team and the amount of goals he scored and the big, big moments who's stood up invariably it's been odds and Edward I, I think he's got to be in the conversation I know I'm probably fighting a losing battle here because uh, you've made a, a strong case and I'm up against two guys I just think Edward's
1: got to be in the d- discussion at least I don't think anything you've said there is wrong I think he fully deserves being in the top three probably by a stretch over the other players in the squad I just think there's something about McGregor's and Forest seasons that's just been so impressive. And right now, when I'm looking at this, and although I think that McGregor's form dropped away, I think, in the, in the tail end of the season, as much as I think that's unfair to criticise him for, because I think that's due to fatigue more than anything. And you you noted that stat at the beginning about the, the most minutes played. And it is a remarkable, and it's a credit to him. But for us as a club, it's not really ideal, is it? We shouldn't be... Relying on our players to play so many minutes because I think it does take its toll, and I think especially when it comes between you know July and almost June, you know it's like a massively long season, and, and the fact he's playing for a club and country and putting in decent performances for both is, says a lot to me. But I think when you look at when Lennon came in, I think James Forrest almost raised this game again to another level, and even. Even in comparison to Edard, scored some massive, massive goals for us. He scored against Rangers, he scored against Hearts, he scored against Hibbs, scored against Aberdeen. Those are the four biggest games since Neil Lennon came into the club. And, and fought-
0: I think there is, I think there is actually his last four goals. If you look at his last wow, four goals, they're yeah. all massive goals. Crazy. I mean, and I- it's from a guy who. Was He used to be criticised for not appearing in big games, James Forrest And you look at him now I think that's arguably the biggest change And I know he's played By the way, he's, I think he's 6th or 7th in the, the list of most minutes played So he's not far behind McGregor Which again is probably worrying for Celtic fans But I think that's probably the big, biggest change And I've followed James Forrest' career all the way through He's from my hometown um, I've always looked at him The biggest change for me In his early days Not even his early days Up until probably Brendan Rodgers came in he didn't really appear in the big matches. He was he was like a you know a wasted jersey at times. He didn't turn up. He went missing, he didn't contribute much. Now in the big matches, he's actually gone full circle. He's now one of the guys you look at, as you mentioned all those games, the big performances and the big moments and not just the goals but the, the amount of massive assists he comes, you know, getting to a byline, I think Rosenberg away straight away when he, he got to the byline, crossed it in, Sinclair heads into the net. That's a massive goal that gets us in the end to the, the knockout stages football after Christmas and no one mentions James Forrest for that but I think he's brilliant. Um, I'm happy to put my Edward stuff to one side and, and admit defeating that one if it's between the two. I'm, I'm biased and I'm going for my hometown guy but
1: I'm going for James Forrest. Paul, well, before we had other stuff to say, you were able to say that he shades it over McGregor for you. What's yeah. your thoughts? And me and Hamish have been talking for a while there. What's your thoughts on listening to what we're saying And how do you feel about this award in general with regards to these two? Or even or Edward? I,
2: th- I think what you said about Edward is right. but Hamish said is spot on. He is the big man, he's the big game player, and he scores the big <laughs> goals, you know. But I think there is just this the longevity and consistency throughout 50 plus games for both McGregor and Forrest, which is. It's unheard of in a, a lot of sides And, and a, a, a title winning side And a treble winning side it's, it's even even more remarkable That they've managed To keep this level up And do what they've done From July to May basically it's, it's almost a full calendar year Of consistently playing games Week in, week out Scoring goals, assisting And not letting levels drop McGregor's level did drop But as John said Down to fatigue And I think James Forrest Just shades this because there have been times during the season where we've just been, I don't know, it's strange because it's maybe the more the more routine matches that he's turned up and, and scored the big goals in, but you need somebody to do that during the season where you need a guy to go, right, I'm just going to take this game by the scruff of the neck and I think the one that really stands out is the St Johnston one, when we, when we won 6-0 and he pretty much won it himself. He is the kind of guy that can just jump into a game and come from nowhere and score these goals that invariably are really, really good. And there's always there's always something about James Forrest that I think, over the last two seasons especially, you can never rule him out doing something at any point during that match. He always comes up with the goods. And for him to have direct contribution to to, to 37 goals this season is, is quite That's incredible. incredible. Yeah. It's like... That's that's levels above Head and shoulders above The majority of the league And the majority of the Celtic squad
1: Finishing's really improved as well this season Isn't it? Or at least over the course of the last 24 months I think he was often accused of not being A very good finisher And I think that it was well noted That he used to run like a lunatic With his arms behind him He had no neck and he did that Left the clothes hanger in his jersey Yeah and he had no neck And he did the topo curler thing (laughs) <laughs> and I think the fact that none of that things none of those things are mentioned with regards to Forrest now. I think um if you're slagging off James Forrest at this point, you've you can't see the wood for the cheese, like you've just you've lost the plot really. <laughs> see what you did there,
2: Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, um, I think an interesting thing is and I don't know if you remember this, John. When we when we worked together at the club, there was always, we always used to do like pre game stats and stuff like that about milestones that were coming up for various players, whether it was starts or appearances or goals or whatever. Yeah. And every week, I think for, I I'm going to say at least three months, I had my stat that James Forrest was going to score his 30th goal for the club. And it was always yeah. on my list that he was going to score his 30th goal for the club. And if you think how far, that wasn't that long ago, it's only a couple of seasons ago, he's now, he's now over 70 in terms of goals scored. It's, mm-hmm. it, he scored thirty four in the last two seasons. It, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable that the way he's jumped up at last season, we all thought it was a one off, and the fact that he'd, he'd got any double figures for goal scoring, but he's done it again this season, and he's done it in a, a better way, I think. And, and he's
1: it, he's made Patrick Roberts an afterthought as well. Like, like, yeah. if if Forrest had been toiling for two seasons, would be going, "Where's the Roberts replacement?" Blah blah blah. Roberts was really good that season. His amount of assists and his goal scored were exceptional. But Forrest has exceeded that output two seasons in a row and done it i feel like on a more consistent basis starting and is a more you know there's been times of the season where he's asked to play a more defensive role you know there's a couple of times he's almost been a right wing back and he's he's added that to his game as well he's a, yeah. it's just a, an all round maturation of his of his you know of his skills from defense to attack and it's just it's outstanding to see
0: I think it would be remiss or of us not to touch on that defensive element of his game and that willingness when he gives the ball away or he's perhaps tackled to, to track back and get it back is something that I've noticed has massively come on in his game. And it was Brendan Rodgers undoubtedly that that taught him that part of the game, you know, you have to work hard. I remember back in the day when James Forrest would give it away and he'd spend five sets, you know, pulling his socks up or tying his laces or whatever. You never see him doing that now. He's always trying to get back and he's showing that hunger. And I think Rodgers deserves credit to a certain extent with that one, but James Forrest deserves massive credit as well because he's come on leaps and bounds in a defensive sense. He's no longer... He's, I, I, I would argue perhaps used to be a luxury player in many ways. He was a guy who'd get it to him. He'll have a go at the defender, he'll get the odd assist, he'll score the odd goal, but he won't defend. Now he's a proper, proper Celtic player, and he's a really, really good winger. I know we're not including the Scotland stuff in this because it's a Celtic Player of the Year, but brilliant record for Scotland as well. Scored you know, a hat-trick, what was it, five goals in two games. Incredible, couldn't miss. And that just highlighted everything that's right about James Forrest right now. And I just really want to see more of him next year. I want to see him kick on. I think he actually can. I get the impression he's a guy that's grown with every game i think he he went through years of not be, being a celtic player not really believing he was i think james forrest now believes he's a celtic player and wee daft things like his his celebrations and that are better now like he, he he looks like more of a celtic player now i know that sounds a bit crazy but i suppose he's getting more practice of celebrations now but he he just he celebrates like a celtic player he looks like a celtic player he plays like a celtic player i think the guy's absolutely brilliant i really do it I've made my mind up. I'm, yeah. I'm going
1: for him I ahead mean, uh, of Callum McGregor. I think the conversation's obviously going in one direction here. Just to say well, one more thing about McGregor that's really important about his season and I think important for the future of Celtic, and this isn't to sway your decision here because I think we've all made our mind up here, but the McGregor's performances when Brian was injured were exceptional. And when we we're talking about how we've been worried over the last two seasons or two or three seasons about life after Scott Brown and who's going to be there to step up and take responsibility in matches and drive us forward. It's, you know, Callum McGregor's proved that he can do that. And I think that's really important for Celtic's future. Next season, like you say, if we're looking to play Brown in a more, you know, reduced role, then you're wanting a player like McGregor to show leadership. I mean, we talk about Ayer, we talk about Tierney, but McGregor has been absolutely key to that team and that squad. And whenever you hear, you know, you get those dash videos on Celtic TV, like who's the most skillful player, or who's the best player, everyone says McGregor. The, the His teammates love him, and he's so professional in his day-to-day and his week-to-week um, performances that I know we've just talked at length about Forrest, and I think he does deserve this word, but I didn't just want to gloss over McGregor, because I think he's really nearly almost almost there, and uh, another year might have been his year, but I think this is James Forrest's year. Right, I think we've made our mind up then guys
0: Uh, Congratulations James Forrest You are the grand old podcast player of the season For 2018-2019 Odson Edward And uh, Callum McGregor Uh, I know it's unordered But I think we've got McGregor just behind in Odward In third place Um, Very well done to to everyone involved And I think we're
1: there guys I think that's it The the bell has rung for summer I think so, yeah, that was a long one but it's good to touch on every player and it's good to just, I think these podcasts for me over the week is just a good time to be grateful about Celtic because there's, you know, even now there's a lot of negativity flying about, but I think we've ta- we've done these podcasts kind of out of context of some other issues at the club. And I think that it's just time to be, it's time to be grateful for the treble over the last season and be hopeful for the future. And what comes will come and we're Neil Lennon's there now and we'll back him and it's all good. And, we're going to, we've got some class players will be red hot favourites to clean sweep the trophies next season and I'm excited about the European qualifiers already and it's going to be all go at Celtic and I can't wait for it already I'm already looking forward to the yeah. new season but I'm also glad that we're coming to the end of this podcast
0: yes me too I, I just can't wait for next season I think it's going to be great Uh I think this year at times has been a slog. It's been a difficult year. We've gone through a lot of you know different different and difficult things at the club. I think next year, if anyone's expecting an easy ride, they're wrong. I think it's going to be topsy-turvy, bumpy. I think there's going to be ups and downs, but I think it's going to be you know one hell of a ride. I can't wait to see the team back in action. I can't wait to see how Neil Lennon gets on in these you know Champions League qualifiers. I think he's got a great record. I can't wait to see the players that are hopefully going to come in, the different look to the Celtic team, but also some of the players that we've not really seen too much of, like likes of Griffiths and um, Christie, and players like that that we've not seen too much of in the last six months, back on the scene. I think it's brilliant. I, I just, I cannot wait. Paul, final word.
2: Ah, fantastic season with many. <laughs> I
0: thought you were going to give me one word there.
2: <laughs> um, fantastic season, many ups and downs, obviously. A real... A real tester for for this squad and the transition that we've seen from from Rodgers to permanent Lennon, not to Lennon coming into permanent Neil Lennon, and, and to winning all three trophies again is just unprecedented. But also, so so just brilliant the the way that everything has finished up now and and you take it on, you get ready to go. You have recharge your batteries, take five six weeks, and and Celtic will be back before before we all know it. I'm sure.
0: South will be back sooner than that, Paul. Our uh, our first thing, our first preseason game is like three weeks, isn't it? It's scary. It's remarkable how little uh, a time everyone gets off nowadays, but I know I seem like a broken record.
1: Uh, final thoughts for the podcast, John. Just um thanks for sticking by us this year. I know we had a few months off for, for personal reasons and all that and just good. There was an audience there when we Turned, we talk about it every week now, but it's you know, the podcast's going, we're all happy, everything's good, we're gonna be back. Next season, ready to go, and just you know, going to enjoy having people along with us for what's going to be a crazy, wild season. I would suggest. Yeah,
0: personally, I'm just loving being back on the podcast, and we've really got into that that weekly swing of things. I think just to echo your your sentiments. The fact that the the loyal fan base who occasionally like to listen to us talking crap have uh, stuck with us, and we really do appreciate everyone who listens. Um, to the podcast downloads it tweets us Facebooks us whatever massively appreciate all your support and we'll be back better than ever next season hopefully like Celtic we may appear at some point over the course of the summer but I'm sure uh, John will be in touch with details of that on Twitter but for now from uh, Paul Fisher John McGinley and Hamish Carton have the best summer ever and uh, we'll speak to you I say summer but probably in a couple of weeks when we're gearing up for the start of the season Um, But yeah, have a great time off and we'll speak to you then. Hail, hail.